0: Hundred powerful sealskin clad Eskimo warriors, ready to defend their waters and trade routes from intruders. They outnumbered his crew eight to one. Captain Royce gritted his teeth. There was no wind to carry his ship out of the reach of the Umiaks, nor were there guns aboard to defend her. He took out his one old revolver, knowing it might not shoot. He wanted it at the ready anyway. Just then, a southwesterly breeze sprang up and carried the Superior away from the umiaks and into a misty fog bank. The Eskimos grumbled, a potential trade lost. More wary of the fog than the foreigners, they turned back. Alone and wrapped in fog, fear made the crew speak out. They complained aloud about where they were in the dreaded Arctic Ocean. The first mate wept. They talked of mutiny all through the short Alaskan twilight. At dawn, the fog lifted. The sun came out. Whales were everywhere, blowing and breaching, splashing and waving their flukes. Some spy hopped or poked their heads straight up, thrusting themselves high out of the water to look at the ship. Whale footprints, whirlpools on the water made by the fluke of a whale swimming near the surface, pocked the ocean. All hands leaned against the rail, staring. They forgot their plan to mutiny. Lord in heaven! shouted Tom Boyd, the cabin boy. Will you look at that? Captain Roy saw the whales and thanked his maker. Leaning against the ship's wheel, he smiled. He had steered the superior into a fortune. The seamen lowered their whaleboats onto the water and rowed off to hunt the gigantic mammals that were swimming everywhere just beneath the ocean's surface. The heaviest whalers sat in the center of the twenty-eight-foot whaleboats and managed the longest oars. The other men took the seats before and behind them and rowed with shorter oars. This formation kept the eggshell-like boats gliding toward the whales. The harpooner, Hartson, a burly man, stood in the bow. He held his harpoon high a line was attached to it that would secure the whale to the whaleboat when it was struck. Poised, Hartson waited for a whale to come up to the surface to breathe. No one spoke. They had long ago learned that whales could hear a whisper. Then a whale surfaced. Hartson thrust the harpoon and struck it. It dove out of sight with the harpoon set in its back, A sea-muffled boom sounded. The seamen waited. Finally, the great mammal rose slowly to the surface and floated, dead. She's a right whale, cheered the harpooner. She floats. That makes her the right whale to take. He laughed, and the crew pulled in the line and made it fast to the boat, The whalers now towed the whale to their ship. When they finally brought the whale alongside the superior, Captain Roy's leaned over the railing and stared. The whale was 55 feet long with a massive head, one-third the length of its body. Its blowhole sat on the highest part of its bowed head. Black in color with smooth skin, it had blunt flippers and large flukes. Captain Royce smiled. It was not a humpback whale, or even a Pacific right whale. We have a Greenland right whale, he shouted. That's the blasted best. Greenland right whales, or bowhead whales, were the prize of commercial whalers. A bowhead had more blubber than any other whale. When this blubber was rendered into whale oil, it would burn in thousands of lamps in America. The whale's baleen, or so called whalebone,